Fancy yourself a trader? If so, you might want to stay tuned for today's episode as we're going to be taking you through all you need to know on how to navigate the local and international stock market. Today, I'm joined by Wilhelmin Dawes and Jared Nestat, both advisory stockbrokers from Investec Wealth and Investment. And they're going to be talking to us about share trading concepts, technical indicators, how to analyze stocks for long-term and shorter-term trading. And you certainly don't want to miss this one. Jared is an advisory stockbroker with a focus on short-term trading as well as longer-term investments through non-discretionary advisory accounts and fully managed solutions. He's been on the trading desk for 12 years, having started off on the online trading desk. Uh, He enjoys playing all sport, including golf and paddle, and uh, he has a newly found passion for Formula One. His family is always top priority, and he enjoys spending free time with them whenever he can get a chance to. Villamin is a certified stockbroker with the South African Institute of Stockbrokers. She's been with Investec for 18 years as a stockbroker. She met her husband while trying out full contact karate, and they have two amazing children and three dogs. Villamin is a nature enthusiast, a keen bird watcher, and also occasionally tries out hobbies like silversmithing and pottery. Villamin and Jared, welcome to the Unpacking Wealth Creation podcast. It's a pleasure to have the pair of you on our platform. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Saibonga. Villamin, we often see in the news, and I think many of us who are listening to this will have seen all manner of indices, uh, often, you know, uh, seeing green, seeing red and so on. Talk to us about, I guess, equities in particular uh, as part of one's portfolio and why uh, they play such an important role there. At Investec, we trade on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, which is the main stock exchange in South Africa. We also trade on overseas stock markets, for example, in Europe, the UK, uh, Canada and United States of America. Indices are made up of all the underlying companies that's listed on the JSE, uh, as in this example. For example, the commodities index can be broken down further into, for example, gold, platinum, um, coal miners, etc. And should, let, let's say, for example, the gold price, platinum price has moved up overnight, we see a, a positive movement in those underlying companies because whatever they mine, they can now earn more money on. Investors are buying these shares and that's why you and the prices move up and that's why you see a green indicator, for example. On a day when the, the gold price, for example, is down, investors are selling down those companies, maybe they're doing some profit taking, and that's why you're seeing a red indicator next to those stocks or in, indices. Obviously, when we deal with clients, um, you know, depending on a client's risk profile, we'll look at are they investing in equities, bonds, alternative assets. You know, generally, there would be a combination of of the different asset classes. But in terms of equity itself, um, it is a higher risk asset because you are buying into an underlying company where earnings can go up or down. So there is more risk involved in buying buying into a company. But um, as Philomene was alluding to earlier, is that over time, equities as an asset class generally outperforms um, other asset classes due to due to a number of reasons there, but um, but yeah, it does play a key role in a um, in a client's portfolio. You know, just to just to talk numbers, if there is you know a balanced type of client, we would generally put about fifty percent or so into an into equity classes, and then split the split the balance between bonds and alternatives, just to protect some of the portfolio. And at least the equity the equity side is sort of the growth vehicle within uh, within a portfolio. In terms of trying to identify 
um, underlying companies to buy. That's obviously where investor could come in or your or your broker where they can do the underlying research into a company. You know, if it is playing a specific theme, like um, as an example, if we do want exposure to, you know, platinum or gold specifically, we would then dig deeper into those specific companies, you know, and then determine which one we feel is suitable to, to invest in at that point in time. Um, equities are obviously um, volatile and they do go through cycles so so that's what is important to keep close to close to equities because there could be a company that's outperforming results look oh. very good and then next quarter something happens or next half and you have to be quite quick on the button to be able to exit those positions in time bank profits and look for for, for some type of new um, equity to include in that portfolio to replace the old one Mm. I mean, it seems everybody, uh, Jared, sort of fancies themselves a trader of late. I mean, there's so many platforms out there um, and it might obscure the important role of what you've just mentioned, which is this fundamental analysis. Um, how important is the short, short term in relation, I guess, to the longer term, you know, investment horizon in the work that you do? So in terms of uh, short term trading, that's primarily driven by, by data and, um, you know, news flow coming out, if it's economic data, if it's company specific data. Um, so short-term movements, you really have to have your finger on the pulse. You have to be in front of the screens. You have to, you know, watch Bloomberg and the the, the news channels to see what's happening around the world. But um, but yeah, that you know, if you are, um, if you if you got a job and equity trading isn't your primary focus, short-term trading is very difficult because if you are, you know, busy with your own clients and your own business, and so, you know, some news comes out, say GDP dates in the U.S. and it's worse than expected, and you see markets collapsing, you need to be able to to move quite quickly if you need to um, from a trading perspective. And that's also mm. an investor where we come in is that we have relationships relationships with our clients and we, you know, if we see something happen in the market, we are on the phone, we, we talk to our clients, we say, this has come out, what should we do mm. with this position? If it is a short-term blip, then we can say, listen, the, the, the fundamental research, as you were saying earlier, fundamental research still shows that this is a sound business, this specific set of data or whatever reason causing the market to, to fall down in that day isn't relevant to the longer term outlook for this business, then we can have that discussion with the clients and make a call together. If you're mm. doing it yourself, obviously you need to be able to have the time to actually research and understand what the implications of those data points are. Mm. Let me let, let me bring you in here because I think, you know, just on the point that Jared is raising around fundamental analysis, I, I was shocked a few years ago when I was at school uh, when people said, look, sometimes in the more riskier assets, people aren't always using their own money uh, to buy into particular positions. And I want us to talk just briefly about the more speculative side of things insofar as, you know, derivatives are concerned, futures, forward options and so on. Um how does that work? Because oftentimes we hear people saying, look, the futures markets are up, the futures markets are down, uh, you know, uh, the pricing of certain forwards and, uh, you know, certain options is up or down. Um, effectively, what is that and why is, I guess, gearing so important um, in, insofar as that is concerned? Well, gearing would really depend on the individual. For example, you would, would probably not allow a 75-year-old retired person who lives of the income of his investments to go and gear himself. Um, many people actually do trade with uh, funds sponsored from their bond. Um, what we can uh, what we can facilitate and offer uh, is, for example, uh, we call it a CFD or a contract for difference. So how, how it works is that you can get exposure, for example, to a stock, let's say for a million rand in value, 
but you only put down a portion of the funds, what we call the margin, for example, 10%. Mm. So for 100,000 rand, you only have to put down 100,000 rand and you can get exposure to a million rand with the stock. Any movement in that stock, let's say, for example, that million rand that you've put, uh, that you've got exposure to, that share moves up today and uh, the next day it's worth 1.1 million rand. That, now that full 100,000 rand that it's moved up by gets booked to you as a profit, but you've only put down 100,000 rand as initial margin. Mm. Um, and that's how gearing works. So, so what we do is um, we then charge interest on that amount that you borrow from Investec to get that exposure. Now, if that position works for you in your favor and that share goes up every day, that's absolutely fantastic because we book you book the profit every day and um, it goes into your favor. But if it goes against you every day that um, that share moves against you, you have to pay um, in the funds that is now suddenly a loss. So gearing mm. can work wonderfully if uh, it's in your favor, obviously, um, and if you have enough cash to pot to 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 pay that margin call every day if it moves mm. against you. Um, individuals need to decide how much gearing they need in their life. Obviously, you need the, the cash to be, to be able to fund it, and whether you have such an appetite for risk because it's mm. um, it, it can markets can as we've seen obviously especially in the last few months since January markets are extremely volatile and a position that um, lo looks like a good call can very uh, very quickly mm. turn against you. Yeah, and Vilamin, I mean, I guess the, the other element for firms as well, uh, who have long time lags between what it is they might buy and what they might sell. So it might even anything from foreign currency, even to, you know, agricultural commodities. I mean, I'm thinking of yellow maize here for many of those who have to buy feed. Um, it seems these derivatives are not only just for speculative undertakings, but also, I guess, to manage some risk as well. Yes, correct. So so with, with forward contracts, for example, you can decide that in a month or two, you want delivery of a certain commodity or currency. You can lock in the price right now to protect yourself against certain movements. Obviously, if the price moves against you, um, you will look at it and think that maybe I've, I've made a mistake here, but if it, it goes into your favor, you know you can feel comfortable and sleep well every night that uh, that due to volatility, you, you're not going to pay more than you have to. Mm. Seems like a very, very expensive insurance contract. But, um, you know, I guess uh, when one thinks about it in that way, I mean, if, if the amounts are large enough, uh, one might want to mitigate that kind of risk. Jared, let me let me bring you in here because I guess, you know, there's, there's another dynamic here, which is, you know, a big part of your work is every single day dealing with so many numbers, many flashing screens. Um, and often there's a criticism that, you know, is there short termism here? Um, are we living from one, you know, quarterly announcement of a firm to the next? Uh, and should we maybe be taking on a much longer term horizon? I mean, it, it often seems that whenever we talk about these kinds of things, it's, you know, from one um, announcement or one piece of guidance to the next. Sometimes it's a quarter, sometimes it's a half year, and sometimes it's you know once every year. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, short-term trading um, and day trading has definitely got a lot more quiet than it used to be because of a lot of volatility and um, you know clients' appetites for that type of volatility has has come off. Um, I think that you know short-term movements creates opportunities in markets. So guys that do want to be active. Um, it does. It does provide, 
you know, an opportunity to um, to trade in the short term. Obviously, longer term equities, um, you know, you do the actual research and you need time for the for the actual position to play out. Shorter term, we generally use um, technical analysis and data points and, and everything that you're referring to to say, you know, this the stock is now sold of eight percent. It's at a support level, and we think there's a good five to ten percent upside on the stock. And that's exactly where derivatives would come in is that, you know, we're not looking for 40, 50 percent on the upside. We're looking for call it 10 to 20 percent move in that stock. If it is leveraged, then, you know, obviously the profits are, are quite large. And again, with short term trading, one key key element um, is discipline. Um, you know, what we often do is we, you know, identify a share that we want to buy, um, you know, provide the client with an entry price and then um, together with a target price as well as a stop loss. So stop losses, I'll just touch on quickly, um, is say, for example, um, you know, as Philomene said, you put down 100,000, you've got a million rand exposure, but you're not prepared to lose more than 50 grand on the trade. So then what we do is we put a stop loss in place. So if the, if the position starts moving against us, it hits the stop loss, it sells out the position, and then at least the client knows that he's not in for now potentially a million rand. So we, mm. we use a lot of discipline with short-term trading because it is so volatile and, you know, something can happen overnight that randomly, um, you know, stuffs up the market. And then obviously it's good to have some kind of protection in place just to just to help clients sleep, sleep easier. Yeah. You know, often they say, I guess, you know, share prices or movements in equities follow a random walk. Uh, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this because some feel, you know, you can undertaking fundamental analysis, looking at the history of particular sectors or a certain stock, be able to predict what it might move like in the future. Whereas some say, look, you could put all of this stuff and passively manage it. Just your, your thoughts on, on this, uh, I guess, interface between active and more passive management. Uh, do stocks follow a random walk? Sure. I think it's uh, very necessary to do fundamental analysis and actually handpick the shares and sectors that you want to be in. Um, you know, passive investing is not a bad idea if you don't have experience and, um, you know, you do want your money in equities, but you don't have the experience to do it yourself. Um, you know, obviously, if you do partner with um, an advisory desk that you have access to then research and information and obviously our skills in the desk, it makes a lot more sense to actually be active um, within mm -hmm. the selection and, you know, obviously try to create alpha for the, for that portfolio as opposed to some kind of active um, mm. active index. In terms what's of alpha? The what's that? What's, what's alpha? Um, basically, producing alpha for a portfolio is when your portfolio um, does better than a specific benchmark or index that you that you wanted to track. So as an example, if you bought a, um, a JSC top 40, you're getting exposure to the top 40 companies in um, in South Africa. If we as a you know as a stockbroking desk come up with other other ideas or we want to um, you know buy shares that we believe will outperform um, those specific shares in the top 40, we then put a basket together to give you similar exposure, but we believe those companies in our basket will outperform that that specific index. And that is the, the difference between active and passive is that we putting in the research, we, you know, coming up with ideas where we feel we can provide alpha to a portfolio as opposed to just being passive on that. Mm. And do you always outperform the benchmark? That's a very tough question, but um, I mean, that, that, that is the aim. So, I mean, we do, we, we do the research on that, you know, on specific shares and sectors that, that, that we want to track. If we make the right call or wrong call, um, you know, our, our responsibility is to stay in touch with clients. If, say, we, you know, choose a standard bank as an example, instead of going, 
um, you know, tracking Standard Bank, NetBank, ABSA, and, and a basket of them. Say we choose Standard Bank, they come out with bad results. It would then be our responsibility to call the clients. Obviously, you know, we've been through the investment case. We say this hasn't panned out the way that we want to choose to X reasons. It's either time to switch or completely sell out of that position. So just depending mm -hmm. on um, on the specific shares. Um, our sort of stockbroking accounts, we don't generally track versus verse an index because it is very stock specific and very client specific. Like as an example, one client may uh, may call in and say he wants exposure to, to platinum shares. We can then do the research and advise what platinum shares we like, but ultimately, you know, we still have that conversation with the clients and everyone's portfolios would mm. look different. If they want a managed solution by Investec, then that conversation where do you always beat the benchmark definitely comes into play because clients would want to pay for a management for a manager that that, that is able to to outperform consistently yeah yeah let me let me let me bring you in here because i guess the flip side uh on the more passive side of things is that you know we bombarded every day with messages saying look you know it's easier now to trade the barriers to you know uh, participating in the stock market are much lower and a lot of people are banding about uh you know either exchange traded funds you know, index-linked funds and so on, and uh, making those much more accessible, especially with what technology can do now. Some of your thoughts and maybe just, uh, I guess, you know, words of optimism, optimism and maybe caution for, for many of the people who are listening in uh, who might be considering some of the more passive side of things. I think ETFs, ETNs that falls into the um, passive investing is a fantastic tool for some people. It could be a great tool for someone who doesn't have the knowledge or the time or the experience to go and look at different stocks, um, who doesn't uh, want the excitement or stress about stock markets, uh, uh, short-term movements, um, seeing uh, your stocks, your, your company's results come out today. Uh, we saw some company come out with results yesterday and the stock dropped by 10%. I mean, for most people, that would be a lie awake at night kind of moment, which, which you don't find in, in passive investing because you've got an ETF that covers a certain sector or a certain index. Um, so you see, you see slower movements over the long term rather than the short term volatility. So I definitely think it's got a, it's got a place. Um, uh, we have uh, quite a few listed ETFs and ETNs on the JSC right now. And it, it, it can give clients, for example, um, easy uh, exposure to an offshore index. Um, especially if they don't feel that they have enough funds to to either take offshore or trade overseas for themselves, they still can get um, exposure to certain indexes overseas or certain themes that they maybe want to invest in. For, for example, they, they want to have a little nibble in maybe the Chinese markets, but it's very difficult to invest there. So they can buy a Chinese ETF in South Africa. It's easy to trade. It's in rands. Same settlement as the JSE. Yeah, it's definitely got a place in the market. Mm. And Vilamin, I mean, certainly in your own assessment, when you compare, um, you know, both the active and the passive and you look at the utility or value of fundamental analysis of managed solutions and so on, there's a few ratios you look at based on company performance. Um, you know, care, care maybe just to walk us through some of those ratios and what effectively those ratios tell us about the underlying operational story in many of these companies. So I'm going to touch on two of the main ones that most people would uh, obviously have heard about and know. 
The one is the dividend yield of a company and the other one is the price earnings ratio. So the dividend yield tells you how much cash you earn every year from the investment that you've made um, in that specific stock. So a dividend yield of, let's say, for example, 5% will mean that that company pays you back 5% in dividends on the original investment that you've made at the current share price. Um, most clients like to um, own shares that pays them nice dividends because they look after their shareholders and they return the cash that they make in the business back to the shareholders. Obviously, a lot of um, new companies or venture uh, capital companies would, would not pay dividends because they reinvest the cash that they generate back into the company to continue to grow. You often see that with um um, IT companies, for example. The other a very important ratio that we often look at is the price earnings ratio. And that is the price of the share divided by the earnings per share for the year. And that ratio gives you an idea of how long you need to keep that company for the earnings to pay you back. So let's use an example, a P ratio of six means that you need to hold that share for six years for the earnings the company generate to pay you back. And we also sort of compare companies in different sectors with their PE ratios. If you look at, let's say, for example, the retail sector, if one company has a, a price earnings ratio of 20 um, and another one of 12, obviously we will then say the one with a 20 PE ratio is more expensive because you have to wait 20 years for the earnings of the company to grow and pay you back for your original investment versus the one of 12. And that's two very important ratios that that most clients have heard of and that we always look at when we do fundamental evaluation on a company. Yeah, yeah. Jared, I mean, I guess that's that's one part of the informational puzzle uh, that goes into your analysis. Uh, you would also be looking at also other sort of macro indicators that might influence the operating environment for a company. I mean, often when we hear people in the markets, whenever any piece of data comes out, I mean, I often hear people saying jobs data has come out of the U.S., or manufacturing numbers from China, or even, you know, uh, output or GDP numbers here in South Africa. Uh, and on the back of that, a particular share or a particular index was up. Uh, why is that important? Um, I mean, economic data is very important to get a general theme of where an economy is going. Um, you know, sp stock-specific um, research, you know, we, we, we tend not to use... Um, economic data because that does cloud your judgment in the short term. You know, economic data is very regular and it, and it changes all the time. But as you say, you use it as a sort of sort of top down approach just to get a get an idea of where that economy is going. So, as an example, if you look at the US and you know you look at inflation data, interest rates, you look you look at a whole bunch of um, economic indicators. Then you you know, as a desk, we would say we think America is too expensive at the moment or, you know, inflation is going to remain high and we don't want to invest in America, we can then ex exclude that from the basket of underlying companies that we want to look at. But, uh, but, but, but generally, when we do look at companies, we do use a bottom-up approach where we actually go through the, you know, all the different ratios, as Vilamin was saying, all the different ratios of the company, looking at cash flows, looking at uh, the price to earnings, the dividend yields, you know, the ability for a company to pay back um, to pay back money to shareholders, all, all that type of stuff. We look, we look at the, the underlying company itself because you still can find very good companies, even if the uh, you know overall macro picture isn't isn't as good. There's always sectors that will do well, even if an economy 
um, is maybe struggling at that point in time. So, so macro is very important for a general theme of a uh, for a general theme. So, you know, again, if we do think that global markets are going to come off in the short term, it doesn't mean that we're not buying equities. We may just be more conservative in the type of uh, businesses that we buy at that point in time. Mm. And, and those are the businesses you guys in the markets often call the defensive sectors. Um, correct. Yeah. So, I mean, if you do think that, you know, the U.S. is going to, um, inflation is going to come down, the Fed's going to start reducing interest rates and we're going to go through a boom period. then as you say, you move out of defensive into more growth type accounts, which is obviously mm. your tech stocks and some of those, those, those type of shares. If you feel there is going to be high inflation and you want to be more protected, obviously, then you go to those defensive stocks, which, you know, even if you look at, say, something like a, like a British American tobacco, like tobacco shares that have consistent earnings, they have consistent cash flows, and that kind of protects your money um, in the short term. Yeah, yeah. Vilamin, just as we wrap up, um, I mean, I'm, I'm quite interested, and I come back to the earlier point that I made. A lot of chances out there, a lot of people who fancy themselves as, you know, very dexterous traders and uh, people able to make people some money. I've got some money, I'm sitting maybe on a windfall, and I've got all manner of people trying to pull me in different directions. And su- one of those directions is people who are trying to sell me a proposition around the trading space. What decision-making process ideally should I go through in my mind uh, to avoid making significant losses? Uh, because as I said, many chances out there um, and uh, sometimes very difficult to distinguish between the more legit people who can give us a managed solution and then, you know, some of the chances. Um, yes, it's very important um, who you would choose to look after your money. You, you would always look first that whichever specific company you go for is registered with the Financial Services Board in South Africa. Um, a, a, a big, we, there's always, we always say there's two problems that most investors have, and that's fear and greed. We mm. all like to double our money. So stay away from people who promises you things that seem impossible. If it seems impossible, it normally is impossible. If they, if they promise you exorbitant interest rates or quick growth on your capital, um, be aware that, that markets and investments don't work in that manner. So, and then you, and then you pick someone that you feel comfortable with. Um, uh, someone who understand you, someone who listens to you, and someone who wants to do the best for you um, as an individual, and it looks at the bigger picture, not just at this windfall that you've uh, arrived at, because there are many um, people out there who try and make you a quick buck, but that's unfortunately not possible. And then, Jared, just the last one to you. Um, for many who are listening into uh, our discussion here, who might be asking themselves, uh, what is on offer? Uh, within the Investex stable insofar as, um, you know, the issues we've discussed in this episode of uh, managed solutions in the equity space um, and uh, also, I guess, you know, um, how to benefit from some of the fundamental and technical analysis you undertake. Um, okay, so for a, for a client through Investec Wealth, we've got numerous routes to get exposure to the, um, to the stock market. Um, so the easiest way for a client to gain access is through online trading, which is quite easy. It's online applications and there's a full trading desk that supports the online um, online trading desk. Um, you know, that is mainly focused on clients who know what shares they want to buy and they're happy to do the execution and do the research themselves and then gain access to the market. So that's the, that's the, the first step and the easiest way to gain access. Um, in addition to that, then we have our advisory broking desk. 
So on the advisory broking desk, that is where you would be assigned a specific stockbroker and build a personal relationship with that with that broker. They would then obviously find out, you know, a lot more information about the the individual themselves. You know, have the discussion about what exposure they're looking for, and then we would then give them advice in terms of what we feel would be suitable in a portfolio for that specific client. So advisory broking, we don't just do longer term investments. That is a, a you know a core focus of ours but we also do you know short-term trading via cfds and other derivatives we spoke about earlier so we do have short-term trading ideas as well as long longer term fundamental research we give to clients so that is more of a personal personal touch with the client and that is um you know sort of for clients who aren't looking to to do it themselves and they don't have the you know the the time um, to to redo the research themselves, so so they would come to us to obviously assist them with that, and um, that advisory broking um, arm you can call it um, also includes offshore. So we've got offshore broking where we would you know say have X amount in the local market, and then we want to um, you know send money overseas and invest in the likes of Amazon and Apple and all the all the offshore counters. We then have full access to the offshore offshore trading side as well. Philomene and Jared, thank you very much to the pair of you for so generously sharing of your time. And uh, to you, our listener, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this installment of the Unpacking Wealth Creation podcast series. Till we meet again, thank you very much.